0: What an absolute weekend in the great state of Michigan, huh? The Lions win. Michigan State goes on the road, beats a ranked team. Michigan, in a little bit of a dogfight, down three at half in Piscataway, New Jersey, of all places. Hangs a 38-piece, if my memory serves, and stomps Rutgers in the second half. The Tigers it's tough that they still exist. The Red Wings celebrate the 97-98 Cup team, or 96-97, and then the 97-98 Cup team win both of those. Saturday matinee, Sunday matinee, check, check. Three straight. They played guy against Montreal tonight, lost, but they took away a point. Raymond with a beauty of a late goal. He's really been churning lately. The Pistons come back and beat the Oklahoma City Thunder the other night. How about that for the city of Detroit? How about that for the state of Michigan? And I know what people are going to say. Oh, the Lions winning Hurts. Oh, state season is over. Oh, the Pistons winning Hurts. Can we just enjoy it? We've worked so hard. We've struggled so much. Let's enjoy it one time. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Detroiter. We're covering sports in the Motor City as well as the Minton State. Motor City, that'd be Detroit. Minton State, that'd be Michigan. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Welcome in. Appreciate everybody being here, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on the car or in your earbuds, maybe taking a workout, a little walk. Whatever the case is, appreciate you spending some time with me. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Hope you did something that made you smile. Listen, I hope you got to catch a glimpse. If you're a Michigan fan, you're a Michigan State fan, hopefully you got to sit down and watch the end or at least some point of both of those games. If you're a Detroit sports fan, which I assume you are if you're here, hopefully you got to catch a glimpse of the Pistons game, hopefully one of the Red Wings games, maybe a little bit of the Lions game. And if you're a real lucky son of a bitch, you caught all of them. It was a hell of a weekend. I don't know. The last time the Red Wings and the Lions won a game the same day, December 2017, that'd be nearly five years ago. That's a disgusting fucking thing. That's a disgusting fact. The last time the Red Wings and the Lions won on the same day, it's been five years. That shouldn't be the case. And God forbid, God forbid, what's the last time the Lions, Red Wings, and Pistons, all of their most recent games was a win? And then Michigan and Michigan State, too. When's the last time every single team that plays sports in the month of November was coming off of a win in the state of Michigan? That's bananas. If the Red Wings-Lions thing was five years, that shit's got to be like 15. So it was a beauty of a weekend. Hopefully you soaked in some of the weather. I think it's still been pretty nice in Michigan. Forgive me, I live out west now, as I've said. If you've been following along, you know that. So I wasn't totally sure. The weather here has been ass. Actually, people right now might be going, I know my parents have done it. I go, "Mm, you know, you might miss the colors in October, but November comes around and you'll be happier out there. Listen, it was warmer all last week. It was warmer in Michigan than it was an hour south of Los Angeles. Make that make sense. I went outside today. It rained the entire day. It was cold. I'm not complaining, right? So Cal, you're pretty lucky with the weather here. Tough to complain about much of anything other than you know shit being expensive, but you gotta pay for something to be 70 and sunny all the time. Rained all day to day, cold. Hopefully, Michigan, it was a little bit better. Get to prolong the fall a little bit more, soak it in, carry into Thanksgiving weekend. Why not? Why not, Mother Nature? The Lions are winning, the Red Wings are winning, states beating ranked teams on the road. Why not carry in 60 and sunny into Thanksgiving? I'd, uh, sure. Sure. The people deserve it. And if you can hear my voice is I'm doing a horrible Scarlett Johansson impression. Usually, usually my voice, if I have a little raspiness to it, it's because it's either extremely early in the morning and my normal volume goes from this to something more like, yeah, I think I'm doing okay. Usually it's that like, uh, you can hear the like crinkles in my voice cause I'm not talking very hard. I'm not pushing out much air, but when I go full blast, this like hollowness, you hear that? Uh, you hear that? You hear that? Like I've been smoking cigarettes for the last 80 years. That usually doesn't come around. And if it does, it's cure for about a day and gone. I'm recording this. It's Tuesday night. I still sound like off-brand Scar Joe. I'm hoping we're back. I'm hoping I'm at full throttle by Wednesday. But I'll tell you the cause. I'm not afraid to open up a little bit. Hit a concert Friday night. Zach Brown band at the Hollywood Bowl. Unreal Venue. About 10 million people there. Um, Zach Brown was great. Played a little bit of everything. Got a little funky towards the end. There was one moment where someone in the band had ALS. And we were talking about ALS. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me what was happening. I was putting down tall boys like it was nobody's business. Also probably not helping very much with the voice situation. And then Saturday we had a day. Woke up, watched the Red Wings kick some ass in the matinee game. Islanders blanked him, 3-0. Billy so this guy, continues to perform at a high level despite them losing to the Canadiens tonight and him giving up two brutal ones in the shootout. However, I digress. Um, And then State... State comes around, beats Illinois on the road. Nobody gave State a fucking chance. Nobody that doesn't don green and white on a Saturday regularly gave MSU a chance. They go down to Champaign and they stifle them. Chase Brown in that Illinois run game, they've leaned on all year, had fucking nothing to say for it. Xavier Henderson, Jacob Slade, these guys that are coming back healthy. Scotty Hazleton, credit to him. I tweeted, I'm looking forward to talking about Scotty this week and we will. They played great. The offense was fine. You know, nothing special. I still have my qualms with Peyton Thorne, but at this point, I'm like yelling into a deep fucking void. There's nothing that's going to change. I wanted Peyton Thorne to be yanked after, I think, week four it was. I was ready to call it quits. Now we're going into week nine. He's going to play again is what it is. There's really no point. You know, how I feel there's nothing else to say about it. I didn't think he played great, but I guess he played well enough. Jaden Reed did what Jaden Reed does, just bees better than whoever it is that's supposed to cover him. I thought the offensive line, again, they didn't play like lights out or anything, but I thought the offensive line played a pretty good game. They played as well as they needed to, obviously. The run game picked up a little bit, not world beating, but they did some things, picked up a couple first downs. I thought Jalen Berger had a nice day, and State got the dub. You know, it kind of got a little hairy down at the end. Mel Tucker... Making some decisions that I would uh, disagree with, to put it lightly, uh, throwing the ball on that third down when Illinois is out of time, timeouts and you're at their, like, six-yard line and you can kick a field goal. I know the wind's blowing a million miles an hour. I get it. And we kicked the field goal anyway, and we ended up missing it. I understand. Run the fucking ball. Run the fucking ball. I understand you didn't want to have to kick the field goal. You wanted to score a touchdown and just – Forget it, forget the win, forget these bums you've had coming out to play kicker for you, but just run the ball. Leave them with, even if you miss it, leave them with 20 seconds instead of a minute. 20 seconds, even though the clock stops on first downs in college, 20 seconds, and you're Illinois and all you want to do is run it, 20 seconds is not a lot of time to go down the entire field if you don't have timeouts. A minute, it's still not a ton. That's a lot more doable, though. That's a lot more doable. You start just throwing the ball past the first down marker. That's a lot more doable. Run the ball, Mel. I didn't understand that question, especially when there were moments before the drive prior, when I think we had it with like three and a half, four minutes left and Peyton Thorne, what I believe he thought was the smart play third and 10 evades the sack, rolls out to his left and then just goes down, slides behind the line of scrimmage. I get he wants to keep the clock running, not take a hit. I understand. But that play, lob it up, Peyton. It's third and 10. Throw up a punt, buddy. There's no sense in keeping the clock running there. I understand. But three and a half, four minutes when Illinois still has timeouts, that's way too much time. That's way too much time to be thinking about running out the clock in a one possession game. That's a two-possession game. Sure, slide, run the clock, let's punt it away, let's play a little defense. One-possession game. Peyton, throw up a punt, buddy. Throw up a punt. It didn't make any sense there. And then when you should do the sliding routine and anything in your power to keep the clock running, we throw a pass and it goes incomplete and we stop the clock with 40 extra seconds for no fucking reason. So, despite stay winning, a little bit of a hiccup there down towards the end is what it is. I'm not going to complain. This team needed that win, not only what's happened all season long, just the disappointment that this year's been for MSU, but obviously coming off all the shit in Ann Arbor, all the getting your ass kicked first off in that football game. Offense couldn't do shit. Defense played pretty well, but they still gave up 29. Peyton Thorne was terrible. The run game was horrible. Um, Michigan ran the ball at will, and you knew Illinois was going to come in and try and do the same exact shit Michigan did. We're going to give it to our running back, number two, who's our best player, and see if you can stop it. This time, for whatever reason, Michigan State was up to the task. Chase Brown had a tougher time finding space, whether it was between the tackles or uh, sideline to sideline. And despite all the suspensions, despite the defense missing guys like Jacoby Windman, they got it done. They figured out a way, and that meant a lot. That meant a lot for Michigan state, because yeah, like you, obviously you want to win every game you play. Obviously you always want to win, but dude, coming off the suspensions and coming off everybody and their grandmother, all these people, whether it's the national media, whether it's the blue wall in the state of Michigan at the free press and all these Michigan slanted reporters, all these people, all they've wanted to do all season long. And especially after last week, talk about how Mel Tucker can't coach. Mel Tucker owes Kenneth Walker 95 million Mel Tucker's creating a culture of fighting and God damn it. Do people love saying the word thugs, which I just don't get why anybody in their right mind puts that word out there with their name attached to it. It's a couple 19 year old dudes who first off, nobody even knows still what actually went down. We obviously saw the footage of MSU's dudes throwing punches and swinging helmets. Yes, that happened. Nobody knows other than the people who were there what happened to start all of that. Now we've got lawyers for Michigan State coming out saying he's got it on eyewitness account that Michigan players started the punching. Who fucking knows what happened? I, for one, just wanted to be behind, but coming into Saturday, it wasn't behind. It was the main storyline. It's what they were talking about. Mel Tucker, yes, they lost the game at Michigan last week, but this eight-player suspended, a fight, potentially criminal charges coming forward, and they banded together. They didn't have it. Zion Young was a contributor. Angelo Gross has been playing all year. Jacoby Winman. they had a handful of guys who have been regular contributors on this team. Granted, they've been regular contributors on a losing team. And they figured it out. Next man up. They're dressing guys. They're traveling with freshmen who haven't been out of East Lansing all year. People are getting reps who haven't touched the field. or burning red shirts. It's every hand on deck. And they went into Champaign. Into what was a fairly hostile environment. Or, you know, as, as hostile as Illinois can get. A team, the best one they've had. Since a juice box was running around the QB for them. Chase Brown, one of the better running backs in the Big Ten probably in America, they want to feed him. They just saw us get exploited on the ground. And Mel Tucker, Scotty Hazelton. credit to him. They figured it out. They stifled Illinois, and the offense did just enough. It was a beautiful fucking win. It was a beautiful fucking win. To win the game for the culture, just like validating Mel Tucker. Now he's won, he's won a ranked road game every single year he's been at State. I believe, if my memory serves, he's the only coach in the FBS to do that. Win on the road against a ranked team each of the last three years. I believe he's the only coach to do that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the culture, just kind of the, the fact, like, validating that he was right. Because, look, look, and Michigan fans were saying it when he didn't get suspended at first. A lot of college coaches, when a guy like Jacoby Winman, you can't tell if he's pulling them you can't tell if he's holding him, you can't tell if he's swinging. You just see that he's grabbing a Michigan player and you don't know if he's pulling him away or holding him there to get beaten. Nobody know I, it's tough to say. You and people Michigan fans will be in the comments going, "Are you fucking kidding me, dude?" Nobody knows. You don't know. I promise you, 16-year-old on your smartphone, you don't know what the fuck was going on in there. Right? You don't know if he was pulling him. You don't know if he was holding him. You don't know what his intention was. Regardless, a lot of head football coaches in the college game would have looked the other way and went, that's my best defensive player. I need that guy to rush the quarterback. I need that guy to play linebacker. I need him to stop the run. I need him to cover the hook to flat. Look, he was hold- He was trying to take him away. He wasn't doing anything. We need this guy to play. A lot of fucking coaches in Division I football are making sure Jacoby Windman is suiting up this week. Mel Tucker took the high road, didn't need him, and the defense looked the best they've looked all fucking year without him. That's a statement play. It's a statement decision by Mel. It's a statement performance by the guys in that locker room. It's a statement win for Michigan State, for the team, for the fan base, everybody associated with the uh, program. Just felt good. I was watching that game, Big Dean's Oceanfront Cafe, Santa Monica, California. You would have thought nobody cared. Michigan State, Illinois. We've got the fucking MLS final that LA City's in. We've got L- LSU, Bama on, or Georgia, Tennessee on. We've got all these different games happening, and there's a couple different groups at Big Dean's. Just MSU scores. You just hear go great. You just hear people. It felt good. The MSU was still strong coming off what happened last week, coming off the turmoil. And MSU was strong, and the team rewarded us. It was a thing of beauty. That said, I think after the Trey Mosley touchdown, I sat up outside, and I gave a let's go state. There was another table of Spartans over in the corner, so I was doing a let's go state, hopefully for them to hear me. And this lady right next to me just goes, go blue. And I was like, yeah, you got me. What do I say? We just got our asses kicked. What do you say? I'm in California. I'm wearing a Michigan state shirt. Nobody really gives a fuck about any of the games on and I'm let's go state. And I get ripped by this like 38 year old woman. Go blue. I was just wasn't expecting that. Didn't have, didn't have anything in the bank. I was like, I that's tough. I'm like that's tough. You weren't supposed to say that it was tough, but we prevailed The green and white. Got it done. Michigan. Got it done against Rutgers. A little bit shaky there. And it was funny. I went back and rewatched that game. I didn't watch the whole thing through. I tuned in a little bit in the second half. And then once it was kind of clear Michigan was going to pull away and Rutgers is Rutgers and Michigan's fucking good, I was like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Went to another concert Saturday night. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet, but that's why I'm so in the trenches. Concert Friday, all day out Saturday, and then concert Saturday night. Trenches, kill shot, trenches, Scarlett Johansson. There you go. Didn't catch the first half of the Michigan game, but I tune in at half and I see Rutgers is up three and I'm looking around going, there's no chance. Rutgers is the team that beats Michigan. I mean, there's there's no chance, right? It can't possibly be. I don't know. I It felt a little bit like that first half. Rutgers blocked the punt. Um, J.J. missed a couple throws. I've been saying it, Michigan fans. Michigan fans are going to hate to hear this. Michigan fans are going to hate to hear this. J.J. McCarthy, as much as you love him and you believe he's the thing that changes this MS or U of M team, he's the thing that will elevate you to a point where you can run with a team like Georgia. I don't know for sure about that. J.J. makes some mistakes where it's like, Ooh, they're freshman mistakes, I suppose, right? It's not like, I mean, I I don't know. He overthrows people a lot too. Fuck. I was going to say, it's not like it's physical mistakes, but he overthrows people. In the short passing game, in the medium passing game, when he uses his legs, the guy's electric. The guy's unreal with his legs. He's fast as fuck. It's like Trevor Lawrence. When he throws it 10, 15, 20 yards, he's on the money, dude. He puts the ball wherever he wants. doesn't matter if he's in the pocket or if he's on the run. Where he gets in trouble is when he's got to go deep. When a guy is streaking for whatever reason with him, he'll have guys streaking behind the defense, wide open, five yards of cushion, and he puts the ball four yards in front of him for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know because you think generally – you can throw it accurate short. You can throw it accurate medium. You've got a howitzer for a right arm. You should be able to throw it pretty accurate long, right? Especially when it's situations I'm not asking you to put the ball in a bread basket where, you know, it needs to be in the perfect spot or you're not going to come down with it. In situations where Ronnie Bell, Cornelius Johnson, some of these guys, the, the nearest defenders, five yards behind him, and he overthrows him by five, and it's like, oof, J.J., Or another play, there was one, I think it was in the first half, where he tried to thread the needle to Schoonmaker in the slot, and he got fucking crunched. He almost caught it, came down with it for a touchdown. He caught it, he got hit in the end zone, and he dropped it. And the guy behind him, I don't remember if it was Ronnie Bell, Roman Wilson, whoever, but the guy that was running the wide route, the wide fade was just wide. Like, wide, not five yards. Like, the nearest defender's 10, 15 yards away wide open, could have underhand scooped it to him for a touchdown and he forced it into Schoonmaker. That's a mistake I think you expect a freshman to make more, right? Like probably more of a pre-play he's thinking, all right, Schoonmaker, I'm going to look wide, I'm going to run the safety wide, and I'm going to fret it to Schoon. Like pre-play he's thinking to himself, I'm throwing this to Schoonmaker, right? There's not much reading of the defense. It's just set hit, one, two, three, four. Boom, there it goes. The ball's coming out regardless. That's maybe more of a freshman mistake, right, where he's not reading the entire defense. He's not making his progressions. He's not taking what the defense gives him. Because, look, most plays, I don't care who you are, and I get that it was Rutgers, but I honestly think this is the case, whether it's Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Ohio State, wherever it is Michigan will see down the road. Your offensive line, being what they are, that defense, whoever you're facing to pressure you, is either going to have to send a little bit of a blitz package, in which case they're covering with minimal guys back there, or they're going to rush their four and sit back. But I'll tell you what, man, I don't care how good your defense is. If you've got a guy like J.J. McCarthy playing QB, and you've got guys like Cornelius, Ronnie Bell, Roman Wilson, dude, it's tough for a secondary to cover those guys. Like most plays – Most times Michigan runs a pass, unless it's third and 25 and it's the most predictable thing in the world, someone's going to be open. There's going to be some sort of chink in the armor the defense is running, something. I don't care if they're in a cover four, cover two. Man, they're blitzing. They're sitting back. It's the skies. The safety rolls down. The corner falls back. I don't care what it is. 90% of the time you drop back to pass, there's going to be a chink in the armor. And it feels like a few times now it happened against state. That's exactly what I said. I was saying it during the game and I said it in the pod last week after the game, let's like, make JJ, make the plays, make JJ, make the plays. If you're a team going in right now and you're about to play Michigan, Illinois has got them. I think it's Nebraska this week and then Illinois next, but these two teams and then obviously Ohio state. If you're someone going to play Michigan you've got to sell out to stop the run and you need to force JJ to beat you. You have to, because look, I know he's got all the talent in the world and I've hyped him up myself. I've gone on this podcast and talked about being afraid of him. I've come on here and talked about how much more he elevates their offense, how much more talent he has. He can make every throw on the field. He can flat out. He can make throws. Cade can't. He has the ability to make those throws. Will he start executing them? He hasn't to this point. And if there is an argument to be made for Cade, when a guy was wide open 40 yards down the field, Cade McNamara put the ball on him. Maybe it wasn't always in stride. Maybe that 40-yard bomb didn't always end up with the wide receiver trotting into the end zone for six points. But he completed the pass. The ball was there. JJ, a lot of the time, these guys, Andrell Anthony, another one comes to mind. He Andrell Anthony's laying out for the ball. Still too far. Doesn't even get a hand to it. So it's like, dude, for as great as J.J. is and as much as he's been cracked up to be and Michigan's rolling, obviously, they're undefeated. They look poised to at least, at the very least, have another undefeated showdown with Ohio State for a chance at the Big Ten. You're in a tough spot to say, let's change something up, right? If it's not broken, don't fix it. But, dude, if you're a Michigan fan, I think – you should feel supremely confident just because your offensive line and your run game is so fucking unstoppable and that JJ can run it. And JJ is great, like I said, in the short and medium range. He's awesome. But if there is a weakness for the offense, dude, the misreads and just like not being able to hit guys that are open sometimes, it's gonna, it feels like that's something that could come back to haunt you, right? Because if you're Ryan Day, If you're any good football coach, you're plotting for a Michigan game, you're going, we're going to stop Blake Corum. We are going to stop Blake Corum. We're going to stop Blake Corum. Also, we're not going to let J.J. run it. We're going to let J.J. McCarthy sit in the pocket. We're going to rush four or five. We've got nasty defensive ends, by the way, nasty defensive linemen. Like If you're Ohio State, if you're Georgia, whoever they'll see in the playoff if they make it that far. We're going to rush 4-5, or and I think we'll get home a decent amount. But we're going to make J.J. McCarthy sit in the pocket and make throws. Read defenses, find open guys, and then deliver them the football. That has to be the mindset. And if you're a Michigan fan, as great as they've looked, and as great as a comeback as it was against Rutgers, I understand it's still Rutgers, but, dude, it's fucking hard to go undefeated. And being down on the road anywhere at halftime, Pressure starts to mount, buttholes get tighter, people start looking around, you start pressing, and to go 38 nothing in the second half and win that game the way they did, it's impressive regardless. But if there's one thing to be a little hesitant about, if you're a Michigan fan, I think it's got to be J.J. Wright and just how many times we see him missing wide open guys. I don't know. That's my thought. And I don't want to be a Michigan hater. I'm not trying to be a Michigan hater. I'm just – talking about Michigan. I mean, obviously, they're still great. They're the fifth or fourth. They're about to be the fourth-ranked team in the country. They're undefeated. It's better than my team. It's better than every other team in the country except for Georgia. Ohio State's ranked ahead of them for whatever reason, even though Michigan beat Ohio State more most recently. I don't, you know, riddle me that one. Don't totally get it. But there's nobody really outside of maybe Georgia that has a more convincing argument for why they feel they should win the natty. I mean, Michigan looks great. I just think at some point you've got a QB who just, you know, I mean, Roman Wilson's wide open. He's wide open, right? Andrew Anthony, it's wide open. He's just missing plays where maybe, maybe you can miss those when you play Michigan state. Maybe you can miss those when you play Rutgers. Hey shit. Maybe you can miss those when you play Illinois, Maybe you can miss those when you play Nebraska. But you get to the Ohio States, you get into the playoff again, you see Georgia, you see Alabama, you see Clemson, you see one of these big boy teams. At some point, you got to feel where, hey, we can't miss guys that are wide fucking open for walking touchdowns, huh? Hey, we can't force it into triple coverage when 14 is sitting alone in the end zone. At some point, you can't waste those plays. And at some point, those incompletions turn into interceptions. That's just how I feel. That all said again, I think Michigan looks great. They're rolling. Them coming back and winning that game, I was like, oh, shit. These guys, guys, not only – we knew they were good. We knew they were good. I think when Michigan started – I think when they beat Maryland, I was like, all right, these guys are fucking – they're pretty good. Like, they can respond to adversity. We already knew they were going to be talented. But we know Michigan's fucking good. Coming out in the second half and doing what they did to Rutgers, it's like, oh, 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 these these guys are really good. Like, these guys aren't going to lose until maybe Ohio State. And even then, I get Ohio State's Ohio State. And I think I might be reneging on myself from something I said last week. I think last week I said (laughs) – As great as Michigan's been, Ohio State still kind of feels like the dragon. Dude, Ohio State's kind of bumbling along, not really beating teams. They score points late, and they kind of figure it out and patch shit together at the end to win some of these games. C.J. Stroud's throwing for 74 yards at Northwestern. I know it was windy there, but, dude, Peyton Thorne, he beat your line in the first quarter, I think it was. That's not great. I know Ohio State, to me – And I said it last week, even though Michigan beat them most recently, Ohio State still feels like that dragon at the end of the tunnel. Dude, Michigan, starting to feel like Michigan might rough them up. It's starting to feel like Michigan might run the ball down their fucking face. And it's starting to feel like Michigan's defense, despite losing the two guys that gave C.J. Stroud hell last year, might run it back on giving him hell. Mike Morris, Mozzie Smith, and those boys may have C.J. Stroud in the torture rack. The secondary for Michigan, I think, is probably better than theirs was last year. Now, you could have five primetime uh, Deion is back there, and it's going to be tough to cover the guys OSU puts out. But, dude, it's like each week that goes by now, I feel the way I feel about Ohio State. They still are the big bad wolf to me. But each week that goes by, it's like Rutgers kind of gives them a run. And then now Northwestern's playing them close. And Michigan, meanwhile, their close games, Michigan's close games, it's like beating MSU 29 to 7. Their close game, they're, you know, sweating against Rutgers. They beat them 52 to 17, right? Their tough one against Maryland, they end up winning by nine or whatever it was. Like every time Michigan has a quote unquote close game. They still are winning by like two, three possessions. Ohio State, they're throwing for 74 yards against Northwestern. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting fucking game come Thanksgiving weekend. Each week that goes by, I feel better and better about Michigan. I feel like they are just the better team. I feel like outside of Georgia, they legitimately may be the best team in the country. And that is factoring in J.J. McCarthy with some visible weaknesses. It's wild. To think that Michigan's that good, and the, the craziest part is, is it's just the age-old like tale of football. You win the line of scrimmage, you win games. Their offensive line is fucking insane. They bully everybody, and I think they're gonna bully Ohio State again. And on the defensive side, I don't think their defensive lines as dominant as their offensive. But dude, their defensive line's fucking good too. They stop the run. They get to the quarterback with four or five. They disrupt shit. They make him uncomfortable even when they don't sack him. like, Michigan's fucking good, man. Michigan's fucking good. All right, quick break. We've got the Pistons. They beat the Thunder. I won't lie to you. I didn't watch a moment of the game. Cade played well. Jaden Ivey played well. I need to – maybe tomorrow night I'll watch the Stones. I don't know. I need to catch up on my Pistons. I don't know if I'll talk about them, but – We'll talk about the Lions beating the Packers at home. Kind of a crazy fucking game. And we'll talk about the Red Wings churning a little bit. Don't look. No, I don't want to get ahead of myself because that's all I do. And then I look back in two months and I'm like, I fucking hate myself. Red Wings are, I don't know, they're doing some things. Quick break. Let's just get right into the Lions, huh? They beat the Packers 59 at home. Aaron Rodgers looks beyond washed. I I don't know what happened, dude. Ayahuasca that's supposed to open up your mind enlighten you, get you to think about things in new ways. Dude, it's getting him to think about football in the fucking wrong way. I don't know if he'd had a moment where he was like, holy shit, I've been playing quarterback like this the whole time. I need to do it like this. And it is just ruining him. I don't know if it melted his brain instead of opening it. I don't know if he's still tripping sack. Dude, I don't know what happened to Aaron Rodgers, but the guy is like bad. The guy's like bad at football. I didn't know that was a, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was possible. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys where it was like, dude, he could be 52. We could be talking about how his son is coming into the league, and I'd be like, yeah, he's probably going to hang like 35 on the Lions this weekend. The guy's bad. It's unreal what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I came on here last week, and I'm. Here's the thing: people love to chirp me, and I understand. I understand, dude. You do something like what I'm trying to do. I want. I want my job to be making videos slash podcasts, talking about sports and making jokes about other things. I put it out on the internet. I my face is on it. I'm gonna get people in the comments. That roast me. I'm going to get people in the comments that call me an idiot. Call me everything. I understand. I'm not a moron, dude. I get it. I came on the pod last week, and I said, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, there's been a lot of talk about how he's washed, about how they can't seem to get it going. And I said, he's probably going to come to Detroit this week. He's Probably going to win the game like 34-21. He's probably going to have the best game he's had all year. And the green Bay Packers are probably going to rip off like four more in a row after he's going to enter the MVP race. And next thing you know, there's going to be snow on the ground and the Packers are going to be playing on Saturdays. That's exactly what I said on the pot. And here's the thing. I know I get chirped, but at least I'll come out here and own it. This a hey, kids at home, anybody listening at home, if you're going to be on the internet and you're going to be into it and arguing and voicing your opinion, that's great when you're wrong. Have an ounce of integrity. It feels good. It feels liberating for me to come out here and say, hey, hand up. I fucking blew it. I was wrong on that one. I miscalled it. I had the wrong idea. That's on me. And I know it and I'll admit it. And now you know it too. There's something special about that. Just a little, not only on the internet, but in life. Take accountability. You say something's going to happen. Hey, I was wrong. People will like you more. That's a fact, dude. Even for whatever reason, maybe a little fucked up thing about humans. People like hearing other people say, I was wrong, you were right. Everybody like it's just what it is. I was wrong. If you were a believer, of which there's maybe be two of you listening that are actually believers, you were right. If you were a believer, you were right. To all two of you, I was wrong. He looks absolutely garbage. The Packers look absolutely garbage. I don't know what the fuck the deal is with Aaron Jones. I know we left the game. He was hurt. The guy's been on my fantasy team. He feels like he gets hurt in the first quarter of every game all season long. I don't know what his deal is. They're addicted, even when Aaron Jones is playing, to using AJ Dillon. I guess maybe that's because he's hurt. I don't fucking know. But Aaron Jones is non-existent. Their wideouts stink. Um, their defense actually played pretty well again. You know, our offense has kind of been up and down after that heater we got off to the first four weeks. But, dude, the Green Bay Packers are fucking bad. Bad. Aaron Rodgers right now, every day he logs on to McAfee on the Tuesdays or when he's just sitting at home smoking a cigar watching Jeopardy. He's got to be sitting there going, I should have just fucking retired, bro. I should have just quit. I mean, maybe not because he gets a fat, fat bag from Green Bay. But for pride purposes, for his legacy purposes, he probably turns on ESPN or opens up Twitter or just hears some shit on the street or in the newspaper and goes, I should be hosted fucking Jeopardy right now, bro. Nobody's chirping the host of Jeopardy. Nobody's in my Instagram DMs telling me how I'm washed up at asking questions. He's got to be kicking himself, bro. He's got to be kicking himself, dude. It can't be fun being Aaron Rodgers, and they're bad. And if he doesn't retire before the season ends, I gotta believe he's gonna retire at the end of this year. And I genuinely believe, dude. Like going into that Lions game, obviously, it, we're kind of at the point with the Cats where it's like, how do you have faith? I mean, see the shirt I'm wearing. Not proud of it, but it is what it is. You got to You gotta get to the point with the Cats where it's like, how how are you gonna have faith? Like yeah, at some level. I said it uh, last week when I was talking about Michigan and Rutgers. You, as much as I am the positive vibes guy, as much as I am the positive vibes guy, the positive vibes guy, Jesus Christ. And you guys know I want to believe. I want to come on and talk about the, the you know, how good the lines are. And well, you know, we lost, but if we just do this, I want to be the glass half full. At some point, when the glass is just bone-fucking-dry and we none of us have had a sip of water in months, at some point, me coming on when the 1-6 Lions are taking on the Packers and going, hey, I think this is the week. At some point, it goes from me being optimistic to me just being a phony. And I'm never going to let that happen. Last week, how could you possibly go into that game? And as bad as the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have been, Aaron Rodgers owns Detroit. The Green Bay Packers own Detroit, at least in my 25-year lifetime. The Green Bay Packers fucking own us. It just is what it is. Oh, they won. we won both matchups last year, or we won a matchup last year, whatever it is. Okay, dude, we won the matchup in the year. We got the second overall pick. It's fucking cool. I don't give a shit. The Green Bay Packers own us. Every single year when it does matter, when we do need to beat Green Bay to have a chance at winning the division or at a wild card spot, they fucking own us. In my book, Green Bay owns us. And Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, listen, he came back for a reason. He wants to win games. He's not just out there to dilly-dag. I understand he's making a fucking fortune. The guy's already made a fortune. He doesn't need more money. That's the last thing he needs. It would have been disingenuous for me to come out and go, this is the week the Lions get it on track. Nobody in the world was thinking that. How could you? As bad as the Packers could possibly be, how could you think that? But you know what? Kudos. Kudos to the Lions. They came out. The defense played its fucking – Balls off, dude. The front four was getting to eight rodge all day. Hutchinson getting to the QB. Hutchinson with a pick in the red zone on what, what might have been the worst play I've seen in my lifetime. I mean, what was that? What was it? I get what they were going for of all the fake action, right? And then Rodgers will just lob it back left. Rodgers underthrew that thing by like five yards and the guy was 10 yards away from him. I mean, just a terrible... Terrible play at Kirby Joseph being a menace. Just anytime the ball was in the air. I don't give a fuck if it's Aaron Rodgers. That ball was Kirby Joseph. Sucks that he got hurt. I think he got concussed. Um, if I remember correctly. So hopefully he's back in a couple weeks. Hopefully he's doing okay. But a coming out party for Kirby Joseph. And the best part, the best part of this one is moving forward. There's a few guys. And I think we've kind of known there were a few guys, at least on the offensive side of the football, but it's starting to feel like week over week. Listen, the defense, this this defense still isn't good. This defense isn't going to get to a point this season where they're great or locked down. But you know what's nice about this year? As bad as the defense has been, and certainly they were early on, and as shitty as the record is, and even though I'm going to fucking say it, the season is still lost. At least we're finding out a few guys. Like we knew Hutchinson was a guy, but now it feels like week over week he's starting to get better and better because early on there were a few weeks there where it was like he doesn't really do anything. I don't notice that he's even on the team or in the fucking game. But the last couple weeks he's been getting it together. Jeff Okuda has been, I think, great all year, maybe the biggest question mark on this defense coming in, and he's been awesome. I think Tracy Walker getting hurt sucks, but we know we got a piece there, hopefully, right? If he can bounce back and be who he has been, we know we got a piece there. Malcolm Rodriguez has been great all season long. Derek Barnes was awesome yesterday. And now we got got Jerry Jacobs, I thought, had a good game. And now we got guys like Kirby Joseph just coming in and intercepting Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's literally his fucking job. Yes, dude. Yes, it's great to win. Yes, it's great to lock down Aaron Rodgers and hold the Packers to nine. But above all that, it's great to to see that we've got a couple guys. We don't have all of the guys. I don't know if we have any superstar guys. Although Kirby Joseph, I think highest or second-rated highest safety in all of PFF, which is fucking crazy, not just rookies. Not just free safeties, highest, second highest rated safety in the entire NFL. That's freakish behavior. For a rookie from Syracuse, I believe it was, or Illinois perhaps, re- either one, doesn't matter. Freakish behavior for him to be in that position. Speed up quickly or hurry up speedy. Whatever, or get, get well speedy recovery. Kirby Joseph, we've got a couple guys. And we still are going to have to bang the draft this year. And we're still going to have to go balls deep on defense. Give me some more guys on the defensive line. Give me another linebacker. Give me another corner, maybe another safety. Give me guys in the front seven for sure on this defense. But we've got a couple. And offensively, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough for me to get super worked up. Like I do think it's a bummer that the offense seemingly has taken a step back from early on. Sucks. You know, it's fun rooting for a team who scores 30 plus points every week. But I think maybe we're coming to terms with a couple harsh realities, one of which being maybe the offensive line in the run game isn't quite as good as we had thought or had hoped it would be. Again, maybe Ben Johnson isn't quite the wonder kid. I'm not saying he's bad, right? I'm not saying he needs to be replaced, but maybe Ben Johnson isn't the best thing that's ever happened. Maybe, you know, he's, he's still got some room to grow. Um, Maybe Jared Goff isn't actually the guy after all, you know, there's a few things where it's like, I don't know. I don't know. There's a few things where it sucks that the offense hasn't kept up that pace of production, but like I'd rather find out now than in week six next year. I'd rather find out that hey we probably got to make a move at QB right now than next season. I'd rather find out that hey not only do we need to make a move at QB just cuz golf maybe not, isn't it but this run game isn't going to be as great as we had hoped. Right. I, I I'd, any errors we have and it goes for the defense too but the, the 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 fucking the shortcomings defensively have been abundant from the start. Offensively if there's any silver lining to them kind of regressing At least we're finding out what we need to fix now, because like I said, I do think this season is a wash, and that's kind of the catch twenty two. I made the video Monday about it. Like, it's great winning, and it's fucking the best beating the Packers, dude. It's the best. Ford Field was electric, by the way. Shout out Lions fans, man. If you're watching this and you weren't at the game, or you were at the game, shout out to you. Shout out to any Lions fan who is there for a team that's one in six. And we're down bad, right? It's year two of this guy who's all rah, rah, bite the kneecaps. I fucking love you guys, man. We're going to start turning these close games into wins, man. And a GM that we believe in. And an offense that was ripping early on. And a defense that hasn't been able to stop anybody. And losing a couple games that we shouldn't be losing. For for a 1-6 in six crowd to, to sound like that, and I just watch it on TV. But for there to be that level of emotion, that level of intensity all throughout the game when we're on defense, just getting in Aaron Rodgers' fucking kitchen for the crowd for Detroit to show up like that. That's why I fucking love Detroit, man. That's why I want to do this. That's why I cannot wait until the days that crowd is sitting there watching a six and one team. Instead of a 1-6 team. And there are losers. And there will be losers to respond to this and go. All those people there being loud at the 1-6 game. Are the reason they're 1-6. The reason the Fords still own them. The reason they'll never win. Hey dummy. It's the Detroit Lions. It's a football city. Do you understand? There's a reason people are psychopaths. About Michigan and Michigan State football. It's because. People in Michigan are obsessed with the shit, and those two teams are actually good sometimes. The reason the Detroit Lions could not win a game for 10 years in a row, there would be people there every goddamn Sunday. It is what it is. So when I hear a crowd against our arch rival and maybe the most hated guy in the league, probably within the NFC North, and Aaron Rodgers, a guy who has historically owned us, and I hear a crowd show up, and get our teams like back like that, and get Dan Campbell's back like that, and show, hey, you know what, Dan? This thing hasn't gone the way we have wanted it to, but we haven't thrown in the towel yet. Maybe we've thrown in the towel on this season, but we haven't thrown in the towel on you. That felt so fucking good. I was proud. I was proud when we got that final stop, and the Lions are going to win this game, and Ford Field is just going bonkers Dude, that shit warmed my heart, man. In California, 2000 what 2200 miles away just sitting there going. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. The fuck yeah, man. I love Detroit. So shout out to Lions fans. It was unreal. It was a good game. It sucks that it's like the catch 22 where probably at the point where it's better for the Lions to just lose. Oh, we're two point we're two great games out of the wild card. All right. we'll start talking about the playoffs and I'll change my tune when we're within a game of the wild card, when it's actually there, when we string together more than just one win every three, four weeks. That's when I'll change my tune. That's when I'll go, all right, sure, let's win. And you know what? It's tough because winning is better than losing. I was sitting there cheering for the Lions all game long. I'd rather see us beat the Packers than lose to them. But then it's like the game ends, an hour, two hours go by, and I'm sitting on the couch like, hopefully that doesn't mean we don't get Bryce Young or Will Anderson. That'd be kind of a shame. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where, hell yeah, and then, you know, you eat dinner and you're sitting on the couch later like, did we really, like, we're probably not going to make the playoffs, huh? Won that game today. <laughs> it's tough. Kind of tough. I don't know. Winning, I'm I'm contradicting myself, but it is, it is like we're between rock and a hard place. Because winning is better than losing. But then it's like, is it? In the long run, it's not, but it is in the moment. And I'm a selfish in the moment bastard. Hey, it's the present. It's all we have. You gotta soak it in. All right. Let me take one more quick break. Um And then we're going to talk about the Red Wings. I realized I did not talk about Scotty Hazleton and the kind of maybe a conundrum Michigan State's in with him. I think I'll probably just save that for the next episode this week. So this one's going to come out Wednesday, and then we'll do another one that'll come out Friday. So I'll probably talk more about Scotty in that one. Michigan State will be playing who fucking cares. But maybe I'll talk about more so the situation with the coaching staff at Michigan State rather than the game itself. In the episode later this week so we'll just do a little red wings maybe five ten minutes of red wings and then call it a day quick break we'll be right back the last time the detroit red wings took 16 or more points in their first 12 games was the year 2008 that ended up transitioning into 2009 in that year the detroit red wings Went on to appear in the Stanley Cup final. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. It just so happens that this year the Detroit Red Wings have taken 16 of a possible 24 points. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. The Red Wings are off to a fucking hey for us. This is a ripper of a start. It ain't no Boston Bruins winning eight or nine straight, whatever it was, but this is a ripper of a start for the Red Wings. They just played tonight. I'm recording this on Tuesday. Lost to Montreal and over or in a shootout, which was That oh, That's a tough game. The boys deserve to. You know what I mean? It was one of those where it's nice to get the one, and I'm never gonna complain about one and the Red Wings aren't a team that's in a winning window where it's, you can complain about getting one right for the last five fucking years. We'd be throwing a parade for a point, but it just was one of those games where, you know, they didn't give it away. They didn't blow it. They, they, they just deserved it. They just deserved it. They lost the game. It was a good game. It was back and forth. Red Wings had that five minute major at the end of the game, all third period or the last five minutes of the third period, First two minutes, three minutes of it, two minutes, was just an absolute disaster. Soderblom takes a penalty, negates the next two minutes. And then the last minute, they finally got a little pressure as the clock was winding down, and they couldn't quite bury it. I'll be honest with you, I really thought after the Soderblom penalty expired, and we were just setting up shop in their zone as the clock was winding down, I really thought someone was going to net one, and we were going to steal that game in, in regulation. I really thought we had it. And then you go to overtime. Overtime was fucking electric. Up and down, up and down. Montreal had a couple chances. I think the Red Wings I'll be had a couple more. I think the Red Wings had a couple. Golden boys, Leek specifically. He had the first one where he passed it over to Hronik. Through the pass, probably a little too early. Hronik was a little too deep to shoot that. I would have held on to it if I was him but I'm not an LH other LR, NH LR, I can barely skate. And then the second time down on a two-on-one, Kabuli gets tripped up, draws another penalty. Red Wings can't cash in on the power play in overtime. And in overtime, Dylan Larkin rips one off the doorbell, crossbar out of play. Tough, tough one to lose. We outshot him. I think the Red Wings outplayed them, especially in the third. It felt like the Red Wings were on the offensive and just hunting for goals the entire third period. Now, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't watch any of the first or the second. I was at work still. Fucking Pacific time is so beat for weekday hockey games. I can't stand it, dude. It, it legitimately drives me nuts. Red Wings games just start, and I'm like, I'm at work for the next hour. This fucking blows. It sucks. Dude, and I feel guilty about streaming that shit at work. Anyways, that's <laughs> a conversation for another time. The third period, the period I watched, the Red Wings were buzzing. The Red Wings were taking it to them. Lucas Raymond had chance ever chance. Larkin was buzzing around. Everybody was getting the Rasmussen was going to the net, a couple loose rebounds in front. We had some chances. The goal sooner to Raymond ended up being an absolute beauty. Really heads up composed play by Suter. I think he took a rebound. I don't know who shot it, maybe Sherat, and the rebound comes out to Suter. A lot of guys put that thing right back on net. He poised, he has the poise to just kind of hesitate for a second, swing it across to Raymond for the one-timer, and he puts it in the wide open net. That was a beauty of a goal. <laughs> I'm not going to complain about the point. You go down one nothing, tie it up, and immediately go down 2-1, and you don't do anything in the second period, and you tie it up midway through the third. I'm not going to complain about leaving that game with a point, I won't. It just was a game where the Red Wings—they outplayed Montreal, plain and simple. They were outskating them. Um, I think we possessed the puck better. Like a lot of Montreal's chances felt like more more whimsical on the rush on the fly. Felt like Detroit was a lot better. Again, I'm biased because I only watched the third period, but we were setting up shop, forechecking, cycling in their zone. I thought the Red Wings won overtime as well. And then they didn't finish the chances they had. It goes to the shootout. Suzuki fucking had – Suzuki had Ville Huso in a different area code. I don't know what Huso was doing, and I don't want to rip on him because the guy's been unbelievable all season for Detroit. And he's probably the biggest reason the Red Wings are in the position they're in, which is second in the Atlantic Division. They've got the same amount of games played as the Bruins – Maple Leafs got a game more. Same amount as Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Montreal. And then one more game played than the Senators. But we're sitting in second in the Atlantic. Guys have played what? How many games we played? 13? Sitting in second in the Atlantic? Nobody can complain. If we were sitting at fourth, I'd be like, hey, this isn't so bad. Hang around. I said it at the beginning of the year. My goal for this team my expectation i suppose in my mind what i would i this team having a good season in my mind what that looks like is hanging around being in the playoff race all year round just seeing if game 74 game 75 game 76 the winged wheel is in that third maybe fourth spot but somewhere around there somewhere if hey we get hot at the end and we win four of the last six maybe we somehow make the playoffs or hey we're in a position where you got to win four out of the last six. And you may it's just anything we're, hey, you know, it's March snow starting to melt. Sun's starting to come out a bit more. And the Detroit Red Wings, they're still in the race. They're not locked into the playoffs. And if they do, they probably won't win a series, but Hey, there's a chance. There's a chance. We might see hockey playoff hockey back in Detroit. That's all I want. And being at the point 13 games in second in the Atlantic, probably the most loaded division in hockey. I mean, Boston's absurd. Toronto, they've been absurd for the last three, four years, even though they can't win a playoff series. Tampa, wagon. Florida, they've been a wagon. Buffalo out of the clouds looks unbelievable. They're kind of like the Red Wings. It felt like Buffalo was like a year or two behind us, but, dude, they've got some young guys. Those guys are cooking. Buffalo's playing well. They're winning games. This has to be the most complete division in hockey, I would think. And you're in second 13's game, 13 games, in. there is no complaining there is no complaining about only taking one point versus two. I'm happy with it. We're 7-3-3. and We still haven't really, outside of the Boston game, played any heavyweights. So I think there still is something to learn about the Detroit Red Wings. But we're winning games. We're competitive. We've won games a couple different ways now, right? Like we're coming back in games. We're winning it with good goaltending. We've won games with scoring goals. It feels like this team, just watching him. It feels like this team's better. I think we're a little more physical. Like guys like Ben Sherratt and David Perron, who just, you know, to be quite frank, don't give a fuck who you are, how many games you won last year, what your Stanley Cup total is. They don't really fucking care. They'll grill you. They'll hit you. They'll scrap it up. Ben Sherratt throws his body around like the guy's made of fucking rubber. It's absurd. That hit he laid, uh, it was against the Islanders Saturday. I can't remember who. But when he just went flying into the crossbar, then it was ridiculous. And we got, got Lucas Raymond's roughing it up. Lucas Raymond sent Matt Barzell into another realm. He was mixing it up. He took a fucking face full of glove. Dylan Larkin's been scrappy. We talked about him a lot last year. Where it felt like a flip switch with Larkin where he went from, like, I don't know, being cool with making money and scoring goals and losing to I'm done taking people's shit. That's been a, you know, that was a revelation last year. And that's been a constant theme this year with Larks. It does just feel like this team's better. And all of the Stevie Y signings are probably, well, not probably, but outside of Dylan Larkin are the reason being. David Perron, certainly Dominic Kubalik, Certainly Vili Huso, Ben Sherat, Ole Mata, Oscar Sundquist had a massive goal in that Kings game earlier in the year. I think he's going to come back pretty soon here. All these Stevie Iserman signings, these guys coincidentally are playing a massive role in this team being better. They've added to that physicality. We talked about it at the outset of the year. These guys like Peron and Sharat, who Peron winning in St. Louis, Sharat being on Florida, who's been a wagon the last few years. These guys being in locker rooms where they're used to winning teams, they know what practice looks like when you're a team that's going to make the playoffs. They know how guys talk to each other and what shit, you know, just how shit runs when you're part of Stanley Cup organizations. Look, the Red Wings, you know, if anybody's a Stanley Cup organization, the Red Wings are one of them. We don't have any guys on this team, or we didn't, that knew what that was like. Yeah, the dudes in the front office do. Yeah, some of the guys behind the bench, mate. Yeah, the Red Wings as a franchise and a fan base absolutely do. But Dylan Larkin doesn't know what that's like. Nobody, none of the quote-unquote veterans that were on this team knew what that was like. You bring in a couple guys with a winning pedigree and the right type of guys that, like I said, aren't afraid to get a little physical and rough you up and won't take shit off anybody. And then you sprinkle in a couple guys, maybe they're not so physical, but you're going to take a flyer on them because they've got talent like Dominic Kubalik, and all of a sudden – You know, he's hitting his stride in Detroit, whether it's because he's playing with Lucas Raymond or playing with Dylan Larkin or some of these more talented guys have kind of unlocked them. Maybe Derek Lalonde just was the key to Dominic Kubelik. Who knows? But he comes to Detroit. This guy's having a career season. Him and Larkin leading the team in points. And then your guys, Lucas Raymond, after a bit of a slow start, has really heated up lately. Mo Sider just being Mo Sider. And Vili Huso, probably the biggest of all the free agent signings Steve Eiserman made. I can't even remember if we traded for Huso or signed him. But if we did trade for him, we got him for fucking peanuts. I think he was a signing, now that I mention it. He's been lights out between the pipes for Detroit. What a handful. He's got two shutouts already. It feels like this was the first time all year Husso started a game that we've lost. Um, he's been unreal, and we needed the goaltending. Ned was up and down last year. Ned's been pretty up and down this year. He was great against the Rangers on Sunday. But before that start, he's been kind of iffy, right? Like, it felt like when Villy started, we won. When Ned started, we lost, unless the offense went absolutely crazy. It's good to have a rock like Villy, who's been Villy every single night. And you can take a little bit of pressure off Ned. Take it easy. Relax. Play your game. You don't need to do everything. You don't need to be the starter. It's not the weight of the world on your shoulders. And Ned played a lot better against the Rangers Sunday, so hopefully that continues. But, dude, the Red Wings are good. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I don't want to look back in two months and we're in the five spot and I hate myself and I'm pissed that I bought in and I'm pissed that I sat on a podcast at the beginning of November talking about how the Red Wings were good and maybe this year will be different. And these guys are entertaining and they have players and this, that, and the other. I'd rather off myself than get to that point. But they're they're much better than last year. They're a competitive team. I think they can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the league. And we're waiting on Sunquist to come back. We're waiting on Zadina, who just went out, to come back. We're waiting on Burt to come back. Lord knows if Ron ever comes back but if he does good fucking god like we've still got significant pieces missing and the best part of all of this the best part of all of this is this season genuinely feels like a bit of a free ride season it feels like a house money season maybe David Perron won't be here next year i don't know what the contracts everybody signed is but i know he's i know he's getting up there We've got guys on the way. Like, this isn't no, we're nowhere near the final form of this Red Wings team. And when David Perron does decide to hang him up and move on, we'll go get some other guy who's 36 years old, doesn't mind roughing you up, knows how to play a power play, and has won a Stanley Cup. And we'll bring him in to Detroit. And the only difference is now that team will add Simon Edmondson, we'll have Jonathan Berggren, we'll have William Wallender, we'll have Albert Johansson, Theodore Niederbach. That's the best part. Is if the Red Wings can make this year fun for all eighty-two, God for fucking bid the guys sneak into a playoff spot. We don't even have all the firepower we got in the works. We still got like between Berggren, Edvinson, and at least Marco Casper. We've still got at least three guys waiting in the wings who it seems are going to be NHL players. Who are going to have good NHL careers, Bergeron on the wing, Edinson on the blue line, Casper up the middle. It seems like those guys are all going to play NHL hockey for a while, hopefully in Detroit. If we can start making things happen now, that's only going to help, dude. Because the way David Perron and Ben are heard are helping, aside from just being better players than what we had previous, the way they help with their experience and just knowing what shit looks like, if this team can make a playoff appearance, and sure, maybe they lose round one, fine. But if they can just get there and feel what that atmosphere is like and see the difference in the intensity of the hockey and see how shit ramps up at practice for a playoff and just just get a taste of what playoff hockey, Perron and Sherrod have been there. But Dylan Larkin, that helps him. Lucas Raymond now gets a taste. Moe Sider, Phil Zadina, Joe Valeno, Elmer Soderblom, Michael Rasmussen. All of these guys now, sure, you lose round one, but now you got a taste. So when the next time you go there, you have an idea because that's going to go a long way. Edvinson, berggren the first time they make a playoff run, they'll be in that boat. They'll be going, shit, I didn't know it was like this but at least you'll have your core of guys, the young core, really the future of the team, they'll have had a little bit of a taste. So maybe that next time, it isn't still, ah, the team's too young. Maybe they will be. Maybe they lose in the first round of that that playoff run too. Fair. But at least there's more of a chance. At least there's more experience. At least going into that series, there will be more of a confidence than if those guys never experienced one Prior. So, I don't know. It's an exciting time to be a Red Wings fan. It's fun. It, it's exciting just having a team. A, I love watching hockey. But it's exciting having a team that you can turn on any night, and I feel like they're going to win. Thought they were going to win tonight. They didn't. That's fine. Next time they play against Carolina uh, – uh, no. Next time they play on Thursday against the Rangers, I'm going to go into that game thinking, yeah, we'll win. We're going to win. We're better than the Rangers. We just beat them. Why the fuck – you just beat him at Madison Square. Why wouldn't we beat him in Detroit? It's exactly what's gonna that's exactly how I'm gonna feel. That's exactly how I'm gonna feel. It's nice having a team like that. It's nice having a team with players. I've said this before: Larkin, Raymond, Sider, Kubalik, Billy Huso. Just having guys that are top-tier talents. And it's nice having a coach like Derek Lalonde, who seems to have these guys going and playing together and playing a winning brand of hockey because you know what? Losing tonight to Montreal in the shootout sucks. Still don't know where Villehousa was going on the Suzuki shot. But you know what? A point's better than no points. Winning teams find ways to steal points. Every single one matters. Bank them early because they're going to be tougher to come by as the year goes on. I love where the Red Wings are at. Hopefully they can keep it going, keep the good times rolling. All right, folks. That's all I got today. My voice is fucking shot. Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you for bearing with the voice. Hope you had a good time listening, I guess. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. We'll be back on this feed Sunday. I now realize I didn't talk at all about Michigan State hoops or Michigan basketball. We're going to be back on this feed Friday. By the way, I don't know why I said Sunday. But your boy, little sneak peek, your boy is going to be on the USS Abraham Lincoln Friday. I'm going to be watching Tom Izzo and the dogs kick the fuck out of Gonzaga on a Nimitz-class nuclear-powered aircraft carrier on Sunday. (laughs) If you don't think we're talking a little MSU hoops on Friday, why do I keep saying Sunday? If you don't think we're going to talk a little MSU hoops prior, you are out of your Appreciate everyone listening. Make sure to spread the word. Keep sharing all that good stuff. I'll see you guys Friday.